Welcome to the SBI Podcast, offering CEOs, sales and marketing leaders ideas to make the number. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Alexander, co-founder and CEO of SBI, and this is the weekly SBI podcast series. And we got a great show for you today. We're joined by Mark Turner. Mark is a senior vice president and general manager of the Europe, Middle East, and Africa region for Genesis, who is the provider of the world's number one customer experience platform and the leader in contact center solutions. Genesis was founded in 1990. They're a private company, so the estimated employee count is about 3,000, and they do approximately a billion in annual sales. Mark has been leading the European business for Genesis for 11 years, and prior to this, Mark led European businesses for Commerce One, Sybase, Software AG, and Ingress. He has 30 years of business experience, all in the software industry, and he holds an undergraduate degree from the University of Surrey and an MBA from Cranefield University. Did I, did I pronounce those correctly, Mark? Uh, close. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. All right. So today's topic, which I am so excited to talk to you about because I think you're going to nail this. Today's topic is avoiding going from hero to goat overnight due to poor forecasting and pipeline management. So why do I think you're going to be great at this? You have been through 120 end of quarter cycles over 30 years in the software business. And let me tell the audience, you don't last as long as Mark has lasted in this hyper-competitive business we call software unless you avoid end-of-quarter surprises. So, Mark, how have you done it? Yeah, and that end-of-quarter surprises, you know, uh, it makes me feel old when you say that number of quarters. I'd like to say we avoid surprises, but we, we don't. Um, I, I think we get... Um, greater predictability the more science we put into it. But, you know, there's always some customer who is always going to surprise us just because they don't fully understand their own buying process themselves. Mm -hmm. But I I think we can work hard at eliminating those risks, but never completely eliminate them, to be honest. Okay. So um, I guess I get to survive by not getting too disappointed as well, maybe part of it. <laughs> All right. Well, so end of quarter surprises come in three flavors, right? So the first one is a deal pushes from one quarter to the next. Now, having been around you guys for a little while, pipeline management plays a role here, right? So you have enough pipeline coverage, so to speak, that when this inevitable surprise happens, you have you know another deal that you might be able to close to make up for it. So as it relates to this particular issue, you know, pushing a, a deal gets pushed from one quarter to the next. Tell me a little bit about your pipeline management process, not necessarily the forecast process, but pipeline and how you make up for that when that happens. Yeah, I, I think uh, as, you know, forecasting a pipeline management within a given quarter, it's about getting balance across the, the transactions, which I, I think is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so that. You obviously you got transactions that are you know strong probability, and then you've got a balance of possibilities across a number of deals. And so, you know, I, I think let me let me back up one. I, I say to my guys that the success within a given quarter is a consequence of work twelve months prior to the quarter. Mm. 
right? And that work is all about generating enough business in the funnel. So 12 months later, you, you know, you do have the ability to manage, um, you know, one deal against another deal or, or three or four deals where you need two and there's maybe five in the funnel. So you can squeeze one harder and maybe push the others out according to what the customer's buying cycle is. So, you know, it's two or three things really. But overall, you, you've just got to create enough funnel and business to be able to manage the risks within um, the closure cycle at the end of a quarter. Mm-hmm. So the time that this podcast will be published, it's the early to mid part of Q2 2015. So that means, if I understand you correctly, you and your team are working on transactions that are in the early stages of Q2 of 2016. Did I understand you correctly? Yeah, I I think particularly within the environment Genesis works within, um, a lot of, you know, the projects that we sell are business Mm case-based. You know, I'm sure a lot of people say, yeah, all all of us are. But what that means is typically the, the work we might do this year would be a technical proof of concept, but the customer's um, budgeting for expenditure on the project in a subsequent financial year. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, we may see some customers that start a project now, but they, they want a, a return within 12 months. So um, it's important, I think, you know, to get the balance right. Um, between chasing deals down, right, chasing them down within within a given quarter, but balance out the longer term of building out the funnel and working those projects that are going to be um, giving you those those deals in quarters, you know, that are maybe three, four, five quarters out from where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it, to avoid the surprises, you've got to get that that balance right. Yeah, the, the surprises tend to come. When you're chasing deals, you're chasing your tail just to hit your goal for the quarter. You've got to build the funnel well well ahead of the game is the best way to avoid the surprises. You know, we were talking about these surprises coming in three different flavors, and we only talked about one right now, which is, you know, a deal pushes from one quarter to the next. The other one in the software business is that, you know, the deal is forecasted to close for, you know, a big dollar amount. And it comes in, but it comes in for a much smaller dollar amount. Um Tell me a little bit about that. Is your is your cadence and your process different to address that issue, or is it the same thing? Um, I'm not sure we see that so much, to be honest. Mm. I, I think the, the, the deal, what we more see, particularly in this economic environment in EMEA right now, is just a very tough negotiating process. Mm-hmm. Um, that tends to be the... the piece that impacts the deal value more right now. Um, because as we said, we're selling on a project and ROI basis. So we got a pretty clear idea of what the you know, the value to the customer should be. Mm-hmm. But it's more things like they want to delay payment, they want to phase the deal, they want to, you know, chunk it up. Um, they want risk and reward. They don't want to pay for it until it's all in and live and working. So it's more those kind of variables than just just the value of the the deal reducing. Okay, got well, it. You know, rather than value deal reducing, we we have seen, you know, we go a long way through the project, um, particularly in the last twelve twenty four months in say financial services, and then we just see that you know the whole ground changes on with with our customer, and then the whole whole project gets cancelled. But 
you know. Hmm. Not a lot you can do about that other than pray. <laughs> you know, when something like that happens, is it the whole project gets canceled or is it just, you know, the they start they decide to roll it out in stages so therefore it's a smaller number of seats or is it all of the above? What, what typically plays out there? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I, I think that, you know, sometimes with these projects which are large and transformational sort of projects, maybe the customer themselves gets a little too ambitious. And then when they, you know, present it to the executive committee or, or the board, they go, are you sure you can get all that done in this time frame? So they sort of chunk it up and, and then extend the time frame. So you will do the same amount of business, but it, it's just over a longer period of time. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you know, a combination of the things that you said. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, I'm going to ask Mark to describe his cadence, you know, what he does daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly to try to manage a tight pipeline. So please come back after the break. You want to invest in yourself, but don't have time to attend conferences or even read books. In less than five minutes each day, the SBI blog delivers a best practice to make your number, an accompanying tool to help you implement the idea and mobile optimized ideas you can share easily with your team. Go to salesbenchmarkindex.com and subscribe today. Okay, welcome back, everybody. This is Greg Alexander with SBI, and we're talking with Mark Turner, the Senior Vice President and General Manager of the EMEA region for Genesis. And our topic today is how to avoid going from hero to goat overnight due to poor forecasting and pipeline management. Right before the break, Mark, I uh, introduced this idea of cadence. What I mean by that is, you know, as the leader of the region, you've got a large organization underneath you, and they're all going through their own, you know, activities, daily, weekly, monthly, and quarterly, you know, to grow the business and manage the business. So if you can, could you describe for the audience kind of what the forecasting slash pipeline management process is, you know, in that cadence, weekly, monthly, quarterly kind of thing? Yeah. Um, so I do a weekly call um, or, or a weekly sort of morning where I will review numbers. Um, and the numbers that I review may vary from week to week. And So, you know, one week um, we'll review the forecast within the given quarter. Um, you know, ascertain progress on key deals, key risks, key upside and make sure we're we're on track. And then probably the second week, the next week, we may review the forecast for the subsequent quarter, uh, which is as, as we speak, um, the next forecast I will do will be quarter N plus one. We'll start to get a first view of, of what those forecast numbers look like. Um, we then may go back to the current quarter, subsequent week, and then after that, we may well... Um, take a deep dive into the overall funnel metrics and the, the total sort of 12 to 24 month funnel. So we get a visibility of the projects um, much further out. You know, we're getting visibility into the performance of the sales reps much further out. So as I said, we, we, we do it. I look at these kind of numbers every week, um, typically on a, on a Monday and I may look at different things um, according to, you know, where we are within a given quarter. Yeah, okay. And who are who's on these calls, these weekly calls? Uh, it varies. Um, certainly my, my regional managers would have the regional um, finance person there making sure it all adds up. Um, I also have someone who effectively does administration on salesforce.com. Mm-hmm. 
um, to make sure that what we're getting told is consistent with the information that we're uh, holding in, in salesforce.com. Um, and then, you know, if it's, say, where we're reviewing deals within the given quarter, we may also have um, some legal representation on it to make sure they're, they're picking up early, early visibility of the deals where we're going to need help. And maybe some a few other f- functional people, such as professional services, um, you know, they are intimately involved with the, the success of these deals. So uh, my next question was going to be, what's the source of the data? So it's it's Salesforce.com. So if the regional management team and key support staff are on the calls and and you're reviewing the forecast and pipeline as you laid out, you know, current and and quarters quarters ahead, um, what type of preparation does the regional management team have to do, if any? Yeah, they. It's, it's a good question because. Um, Certainly, they, they equally, first I should say, they equally have their cadence, which is they tend to go through their forecast calls on Fridays. Um, and then we go through it. There's a process over the weekend and early on Monday whereby the, the data is scrubbed and cleansed and make, make sure it all it all adds up properly. Um, but, but equally, you know, in Amir, we've got about 100 sales guys and some are really, really good at keeping Salesforce dot com up to date and some just um just are not um and i'm not overly religious about it but everybody understands the importance of getting um the data accurate in there so some guys we have to chase up a a little bit harder to make sure that what what they're representing in salesforce is is in fact an accurate representation of of what they're seeing okay so you're having your call on Mondays, and if I understood what you just said, your regional managers are having their call on Friday. So that means the sales reps probably are entering their data Wednesday or Thursday, something along those lines? Um, no, I'd say it's more dynamic than that. Okay. Um, uh, they, they certainly you know, have a, have a cutoff when they have to do it. But we, we also do our pricing and quotations based out of Salesforce.com as well. So a lot of the information gets automatically populated into into Salesforce. Okay. So that sort of helps in that process. Um, but I'd say it's more dynamic. I mean, we we don't we don't want people suddenly go, oh, you know, it's Thursday afternoon. Let's do the update. We we want them working at it constantly. Yep. Um, so that it's that sort of a base of repository of information. Right. So as a status on a deal changes or a new quote goes out, the, the system, yeah. you're not waiting on a cycle. It just happens. Okay. Got it. Yep. Yep. So that's the weekly process. Um, is there a monthly process or no? And then lastly, tell me about the quarterly business review process and how these weekly calls lead up to that. Yeah, there's a couple of other things as well. You, you know, we're talking here about the sort of the, the quarterly management process and the forecasting process, but to me, probably more important that is the business planning process, which is a sort of, you know, it's your market coverage strategy, it's the segments, market segments, it's the accounts um, that you map out for, for 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tend to review that early in the year and keep looking at it. And in fact, it's sort of part of, of a very active and ongoing conversation, which is, you know, rather than what's the quarter look like, it's, you know, what are you seeing for the year? What are the key accounts? What are the, you know, what's the competition up to? What do we need to do? 
as I said, you know, it's that 12-month rolling view of the business. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, that process and that dialogue is pro- probably more in- important um, to the overall health of the business. So we, we do that kind of once a quarter. I'll, I'll sit down with my regional manager, probably face-to-face, and discuss through those issues, um, not, not in a, a prescribed format, but more what, what are people seeing, what's working well for them, what, what's, what's challenging, and let's you know, get a plan in place to, to fix things. Okay. So the, the quarterly review is more business planning. Um, let me ask you a question on that. Does the company engage in a, you know, kind of the classic annual strategic planning process that might be driven from the board and the CEO, and then you're, you're updating your implementation of that per quarter? Or are those two things separate? No, I'd say they're more separate. There is a company strategic planning process where we're looking at, you know, um, product solutions, market spaces, growth rates. Um, but in truth, that more gets um, extrapolated into, um, you know, the, the revenue numbers that we have to grow by on the quarter. And I then interpret that into looking around the mirror, where is it that we need to do more, um, what's been working well. You know, particularly when you look at present economics in, in Europe right now, you know, we were growing really, really well in Russia for the last three years, as an example, right? <laughs> and for all the political and economic reasons, you'll understand we're not right now. So yeah. we got to find a way to plug the gap from that revenue and over-rotate into some other geographies. Okay, got it. So, you, you know, we, we get given the high-level number, we do feed it up into that, and then we have to figure out how, how to go get that done. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back from the break, um, we're going to talk about um, if there's a change in process based on deal size and then what the role of sales ops is. So uh, come back after the break. Are you tired of the superficial approach to sales and marketing best practices served up on the Internet by self-proclaimed gurus with glib answers to your problems? If so, subscribe to the SBI Magazine. It's about time that you have a credible publication to turn to that delivers strong, compelling stories and insightful analysis. Go to salesbenchmarkindex.com and subscribe to the SBI Magazine. Okay, welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Mark Turner, SVP and General Manager of the EMEA Division of Genesis. And prior to the break, we were walking through forecast and pipeline management and also, Mark, got into kind of overall business planning and given the state of the economy in his region, how he's having to dynamically reallocate resources, which was an interesting dialogue. Mark, let me uh, spend some time with you now talking about the the role of sales ops. And there's there's lots of confusion around this right now. Sales ops sometimes is centralized, sometimes it's decentralized sitting in the geos. Um, Sometimes it's a combination of the both. What's the sales ops strategy and process for you guys there at Genesis? It's it's centralized, um, which is the right thing because we've implemented a, uh, a lot of tools um, over the last three years to support all all the four regions in Genesis, and so you know there's there's quite a team of people that are involved in supporting those. So it, it makes most sense that it's um, you know located and managed centrally at, at the corporate function. Okay, and what do they provide for you? 
Um, it's the guidance on, on the tools. You know, Salesforce.com does actually require quite a lot of um, administration. Um, but some of the other things that they're looking at as well, for example, is um, some of the recent initiatives, which are working very well, is, is um, a centralized proposal writing system. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, we, we produce a lot of proposals, as an example, and what that team has done is is uh, reproducing and focusing on producing excellent quality, so as opposed to a rep and a, and a solution engineer having to generate that themselves all the time. They can go to this repository and get 90% of that work done. That's really, really up to date, and it's, it's actually extremely high quality. Then they, they've only got to focus on tailoring the 10% for their customer. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that our sales operations team does, that it gives a sort of global um, benefit. Um, you know, sales training sits within that function as well. So, that you know, it, it, it works really well, and we get great, great economies of scale from doing it that way. Okay. I'm surprised at your answer there. Um, I agree with it, and it's glad I'm glad that it's working. Most times when I talk to regional leaders, especially those outside of HQ headquarters, you know, they're fighting to keep, you know, sales ops in their own region. And yet you've decided to embrace the centralization idea. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I guess when it all started out, uh, I wouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, all, all leaders that you want to control the resources yourself. Yeah. So, you, you know, but I am seeing good quality of output from the content and and the the processes that these guys are are producing in a way that we couldn't do, do it with within a, um, our own region. Yeah. Okay. Now let's shift our focus here to uh, pipeline management around big deals. Your company has expanded its product offerings quite a bit, and you've made several acquisitions. And your suite of solutions ranges all the way from you know the biggest enterprise deployments that you could think about, all the way down to you know, relatively speaking, inexpensive, you know, quick to deploy solutions. So as it relates to pipeline and forecast management, do you treat those, you know, two types of transactions differently or do you follow the same process? No. Um, certainly on the forecasting calls that we were talking about, um, I personally focus in on, on the large deals and get personally involved in that. And those are the deals that in any given quarter, will make up about 50% of the revenue. Mm-hmm. So we, we over-rotate our time and focus on the management of those large deals. Um, I, I, you know, so I tend to focus on deals that are a million dollars plus. Okay. Um, I expect the regional guys um, reporting into that call to have a very, very good grasp and understanding of deals 500K and above. Um, and then... The deals that are, are below that, we, we do track them, but we don't put so much time and energy into those, um, you know, that in any given quarter. Well, there's a lot of those. And so we just work on a, looking at the funnel maps and the overall percentage and historic track record in a, in a, in a region for closing those deals. So, you know, there's much more benefit from focusing our time and energy and, and attention on, on the larger and the medium-sized deals. All right. And the sales team that you have deployed, are they responsible for selling both, you know, the big enterprise deals as well as the smaller solutions? 
Uh, it varies from region to region, is the honest answer. In okay. some of the larger countries, we'll have separate teams, but in some regions, that they're, they're involved in, in all of that. And that you know puts quite a challenge on those people on making sure they, they prioritise their time yeah. correctly. And any use of inside sales? Um, yeah, we, more so in, in the States than in EMEA. Mm-hmm. Obviously, within EMEA, we, we have some language challenges and some scale challenges there. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the inside sales function is more, obviously, more relevant to the smaller deals and and supporting smaller customers and smaller partners where, where the, you know, they're okay with that concept. Yep. And in terms of partners, you know, we're talking about forecast and pipeline management. Roughly speaking, what's the split between business you do direct on a percentage basis versus business you do indirect through a channel partner? Yeah, we've, it's probably the about 50-50. Okay. Um, but even the 50% that we do um, involving a channel partner has a high degree of direct touch. Okay. So, you know, we're sort of fulfilling through a partner that may be part of a broader, wider contract. But um, we, we the, certainly the medium and the larger deals, we're, we're, we <laughs> endeavor to be highly involved. But in some customers, some partners, it's you don't always get as, as much access and control as you would like. Yeah. And the accuracy of the forecast, does it vary if you're doing the business direct with a customer versus through a channel partner? Yeah, very much so. That's one of the challenges, actually, very much so. The more direct we are, the more in control we are, the more visibility we have. And, and the the uh, you know opposite is equally true. Yeah. So how do you manage that risk? I mean, you have half your business going through a channel partner. And because as an intermediary, you don't have as much information as you want. So the chance of becoming a, you know an end-of-quarter casualty is greater there. I mean, do you jump on the phone with your counterpart from these channel companies and go through a forecasting process? Or, I mean, how does that work? Um, it works at several levels. One is where, where we can, as I said, we try to get a direct touch rep involved, talking to the end account, making sure that, that it all correlates. Um, when it comes to the management of the partners, we try to, or we have implemented a partner program which incentivizes them to be hitting goals on on a regular basis. Um, But also, you know, we talked a while back ago about the overall management and the portfolio of risk. Over time, we've developed a pretty good feel for those partners that give us um, an accurate forecast Mm. and those partners and geographies, because there is a geographic dimension to how people do business here that are, are, you know, they are predictably unpredictable, so we just have to factor that, you know, factor that risk into our forecast. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Very interesting. And and back to the accuracy of the forecast, which is our focus here, because we're trying to help people avoid going from hair to goat overnight due to end of quarter surprises. Uh, based on the product or the deal size, which I guess is related, is the are the smaller deals more predictable than the bigger deals, or vice versa? Wow. I should know the answer to that, but I probably don't. Um, I I probably feel, obviously, the pain of the larger deals when they shift more. So I I think for the smaller and medium-sized deal, we can average that out more 
you know, yeah, yeah. through the, the, the overall number of the deals, etc. Um, but the situation on, on the bigger deals, that, that, that gets hard, harder to cover and manage. Yeah. So, so, you know, you've got to, got to look at the maths of both of those things. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take one more break. When we come back here, we're going to wrap all this up and give you, the listeners, some to-dos, some, a call to action, if you will, things you can do immediately following the podcast to try to improve the forecasting and pipeline management process. So come back after the break. Do you have too many things to do and not enough time to do them? Is finding time to learn best practices almost impossible? The SBI podcast is your solution. Turn time spent exercising, commuting, and traveling into productive learning time with a subscription to the SBI podcast. SBI podcast listeners get unique insight into real-world sales and marketing issues through interviews with your industry peers every week. Find us on iTunes by searching for Sales Benchmark Index Podcast and subscribe today. Welcome back, everybody. This is Greg Alexander with SBI. Today, I'm talking to Mark Turner, the Senior Vice President, General Manager of the EMEA region at Genesis, the provider of the world's number one customer experience platform and the leader in contact center solutions. And today's topic is uh, avoiding going from hero to goat overnight due to poor forecasting and pipeline management. And up to this point, just a quick recap, we were talking about the pipeline and forecast management process, the cadence that's followed within Mark's business, the role of sales ops, how business planning happens on a quarterly basis, not just sales planning. And we had some conversations around the challenges of working with channel partners as it relates to forecasting accurately. So I want to conclude the call here today with some uh, advice and some call to action, some immediate takeaway. And so let me make my contribution first, and then, Mark, I'll ask you to make some recommendations. So if you're a head of sales and you're listening to this podcast and you want to avoid this terrible thing of going from hero to goat overnight, as Mark has done for close to 30 years. Um, do what he does. Install a pretty thorough forecasting and pipeline management process, which uh, his is pretty thorough. I mean, we talk to a lot of sales leaders, and even even though Mark has been doing this so long, he, he might not appreciate for how thorough it is. It's more thorough than most, which is the reason why we wanted him to talk about this subject. If you need help doing this, you can go to our website, salesbenchmarkindex.com. When you get there, click on About Us and then click on Our Services, and you'll find plenty of tools and uh, tip sheets and templates and methodologies to, to help you there. It's important, and I think it's a good resource. Plus, there's obviously other sites online. That would be my uh, recommendation to folks. Mark, what would you say directly to somebody who's in your spot who may have had some of these devastating end-of-quarter surprises and may have even lost his job because of that from time to time, what would you tell them kind of the two or three things to do to prevent any of these uh, unfortunate circumstances from happening? Yeah, I think it's a good question, and um, I guess that's why we get paid the big bucks, right? Because you just (laughs) have to deal with that disappointment, or in theory, big bucks. But, you know, my real approach and why I've managed to succeed over this period of time that you uh, embarrassingly keep stating <laughs> is, um, is, as I say, is focusing out on the building out of the funnel. Yeah. I think when you get into the end of quarter race to, to catch up and to, to hit your budget, then almost the game's over. Um, you know, it's over before you started. You've really got to be focusing a long way out 
and building up the funnel, doing the right things, getting your strategies right. And then the forecasting process is, is really just sort of execution. But if you haven't got the strategy and the company aligned on, that, on, on helping you build that out, then um, it's going to be a world of pain quarter on quarter. Mm-hmm. Great advice. You know, unfortunately, sometimes sales leaders can't see past the immediate 90 days. That advice would be thinking more strategically and making sure you're working on pipeline development, um, you know, a year in advance. And lots of good things can happen when the pipeline is flush with opportunities and it gets more challenging when there's a a lack of opportunities. So great advice there. All right, Mark. I, I I, I think it's doing the two things in parallel, actually. It's neither one nor the other. You find some guys do one but not the other. I think you've got to do them both in parallel and get the right balance between the two. Yeah, yeah. Good point. If you're just thinking about the long term, you'll miss the short term, right? That's the that's the trick. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I know it's late there in the UK on a Friday afternoon, so on behalf of everybody at SBI and all of our listeners, thanks a bunch for giving us 30 minutes of your time and have a great weekend. You're very welcome. Thanks. Nice yeah. talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye now. This has been the SBI Podcast. For more information on SBI services, case studies, the SBI team and how we work, or to subscribe to our other offerings, please visit us at salesbenchmarkindex.com.